This isn't about you. It's totally fine. All right, we're laughing because we've like been dreaming of being up here together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's not a good dream. It's just what is happening. It could be a nightmare. But for some people, it is. Look at some of them. Like, this isn't funny at all. Um, I thought we prayed against this. Uh, all right, so <clears throat> this morning's verses are Psalm 16, which is written by David. Who last week we found out, we already knew, was the stone-throwing shepherd that we talked about. And today we are going to learn, or be reminded rather, that one of his stones is also writing. And in this particular psalm, he's writing from personal experience about the joy, joys and benefits of living a life hand-in-hand in direct companionship with God himself, both now and forevermore. It sounded so physical. <laughs> All right, so Psalm 16 says, Keep me safe, O God. I've run for dear life to you. I say to God, be my Lord. Without you, nothing makes sense. And these God-chosen lives all around, what splendid friends they make. Don't just go shopping for a God. Gods are not for sale. I swear I'll never treat God names like brand names. My choice is you, God, first and only. And now I find I'm your choice. You set me up with a house and a yard, and then you made me your heir. The wise counsel God gives when I'm awake is confirmed by my sleeping heart. Day and night, I stick with God. I've got a good thing going, and I am not letting go. I'm happy from the inside out, and from the outside in, I am firmly formed. Amen. You canceled my ticket to hell. This is oh, the message awesome. version. I know. I Ooh. love it. Woo! I, I thought you would get really excited about that. Yeah. You canceled my ticket to hell for Ashley. Yeah. That's not my destination. Also. Amen. Now you've got my feet on the life path, all radiant and the shining of your face. Ever since you took my hand, I am on the right way. Psalm 16. And then we have Romans 12, 4 through 10. And it's our old friend Paul again who's been writing to the Ephesians. This is where he's writing to all the Christians in Rome and believers everywhere. This does not have the form of one of his typical letters. This is more of a statement of faith from Paul, this whole letter. And it says, Romans 12, 4 through 10. This is Paul talking. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we are talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us find our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all of these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Woo. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. No need. Or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message. Nothing else. Amen. If you Amen. help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, this is for you specifically. Wait, for no, but the next one is for you. If you teach, stick to your teaching. Yeah, that one's for me too. Yeah. Yeah. If you give, I'm going to now give the message. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. They're all me. They're all y'all too. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Ooh, Keep a sick. smile on your face. <laughs> Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. 
Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. And be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing the second fiddle. What's that? Just don't Other people know about it. Okay, so now we pray for Deborah. Uh, God, we ask that you speak through Deborah. We ask that you reveal yourself and your heart for us through the words we are about to hear. We thank you for creating each of us in your image. And today we ask a special blessing and protection over your child, Deborah, as she speaks. We're deeply dependent on your revelations. We are determined to seek your will above our own. We love you. We need you. We are completely amazed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, friend. Don't mess this up. Okay, I'll turn this screen off. Thank you. No, thank you. Hey. Yes, what? what? Yes, the message. That was the that message. Was message. Yeah. Translation. Translation. Yeah. <clears throat> um, good morning. Good morning. I am excited to be here today. I'm excited about what Ashley released. Um, I spent a little bit of time uh, asking the Lord what we were going to talk about today. And then I processed with, uh, with uh, several folks. I processed with Ashley. I processed with Casey. She's not here. I processed with Debbie and um, uh, a couple of other friends. Uh, Tracy Keller, who y'all met a couple of weeks ago, Malibu Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and because, uh, and I like to call it collaboration, but I, I, think, I think we all know what it is. They, they wrote my paper for me. <laughs> so, but there's a lot of input into this, and it started during worship. Last week, Javier, were you part of worship last week? Yes. Okay, so we, Debbie was teaching last week. She talked about the, the Red Sea and, and um, uh, how God delivered Israel out of Egypt through the parting of the Red Sea. And that was part of what she shared. And then during worship, we sang the song, No Longer Slaves. And uh, it has the line in it that says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. And that always gets me. And it really caught my attention last week. And I felt the Lord draw me in to think about that. He split the sea so I could walk right through it. He makes a way for deliverance, for freedom. And then what? Exodus 32. Let's join the Hebrews, shall we? Yeah. (laughs) Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed, and these are the people who had the sea split, and they walked right through it into freedom. Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God, and he tells them a few chapters earlier, wait for me, wait for me. Here, he tells Aaron, puts Aaron in charge, tells the elders, wait for me. Chapter 32, Exodus in the Amplified. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, they gathered together before Aaron and they said to him, come, make us a God who will go before us. And this is when they brought their gold and the, uh, the gold that they, was part of their spoils that they took out of captivity, right? And Debbie talks about how that gold was intended to be wedding bands. Jewelry. Jewelry, yeah. And uh, they take that gold and they give it to make an idol. And Aaron makes the calf that we're familiar with. This is your God, O Israel, Aaron says to this calf of gold. 
and he builds an altar before it. And then the Lord says to Moses, scene change up on the mountain, go down at once for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And I love, just as a side note, how God and Moses keep calling them your people. Moses goes, your people, and God says, your people. They have corrupted themselves. They have, hear this, they have quickly turned aside. They defaulted to Egypt. They defaulted to slavery. This is the word that the Lord gave me last week during worship, was default. Default. So I've been looking into that. The song says, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's an exchange of identity that God did with the Israelites, and he does it with us. Why did they default back to slaves? Child of God. Egypt. Why do I? I have found myself frustrated with myself after experiencing victory if anybody, if this rings true with anybody else, only to slip back into a familiar defeated <coughs> cycle of thought and emotions, defaulting to bondage, defaulting to the old identity, defaulting to the old nature. You know, this summer, this past summer, I was in a major like default to that. I was, I told anybody who would listen to me, I was tired, I was tired, I was tired. I was tired of believing, I was tired of praying, I was tired of standing, I was tired. I was going to lay down my shield and lay down my sword and take off my bra. And that was going to be Because, I don't know, that, that, it's all over for me. The day is over when I take off my bra. We're not going anywhere else. We're not doing anything else. It's over. It's over. So let me just say a little word real quickly here in defense of the Israelites. This occurred to me. 450 years of slavery. That's all they knew. That's all anybody in their family had ever been or done. And I began to imagine them what it would be like to have freedom proposed. Imagine if you are a Hebrew slave and you're filling out a job application. What is you? What do you do? I'm a slave. What does your father do? He's a slave. And your grandfather? Slave. Great-grandfather? Great-great-grandparents? Your family line? Slave, 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 slave. That's all we are. We come from a long line of slaves. And then Moses comes along and he says, we're getting out of here. And they're like, okay. And then there's boils and locusts and darkness and flies. Okay. And then... He says, kill a lamb and put the blood on your door. Okay, I'll put the blood on the door. And then dress like you're going on a trip and pack and eat your meal that way. Okay. And then go ask the people who've owned you and beaten you to give you all their jewelry. Okay, can I have your jewelry? Can I have all your jewelry? I don't blame them for defaulting. I don't think we give them enough credit sometimes. How many times have I wanted to turn back? <clears throat> Quick story, I was in Washington State this summer, uh, met up with my husband and his soccer team, and it's an international group of guys, and we were 
uh, we decided we were going to go on a hike. And in between games, the guys wanted to go on a hike. And so uh, we, we start driving, and the trail that we were going to hike on that was down, and this was in the mountains, down around the lake, it was closed, there was a forest fire, I don't, fire, not a forest fire, there was a fire, something. So we keep driving, and we're driving, and we're driving, and we're going up. I don't like heights, and I don't like drop-offs. And so we're going up, further away from the ground, and we're going up and up and up, and we keep driving and driving, and we're looking for a trail, we're looking for a place to hike, and I'm getting more and more fearful. And just the, the, the I, I'm physically uh, starting to really tense up and, and feel very, very afraid. And so I spot these two young guys who had on park uh, worker outfits, and I stopped to ask them about uniforms. <laughs> they were accessorized. And I'm pretty sure they were smoking weed. And I stopped and I asked them, uh, where? What we, you know, told them we're trying to go on a trail. <coughs> la la, we're, we've been driving up this road a long way, and they're like, oh yeah, there's like this great, great place, just keep going. It's just like 20 more minutes. It's like a spectacular view. Because I'm like, is it going to be worth it? A spectacular view, it's awesome. 20 more minutes. So about this time, one of the guys, one of the soccer guys, hops out of the car, this big guy, he's Serbian. And obviously they had said in the car, because I was in a car by myself driving, and the men were behind me, and someone had to go make sure that the little woman was handling all this right. And so here he comes, here comes Dino, he comes up to me and he goes, what the situation? <laughs> and I'm like, situation, the situation is, and I told him what the park ranger said, 20 more minutes, spectacular view. And I said, but you know, we could just turn around and go back. Because there are very nice trails down on the ground. Very nice trails to walk on, and we could have a great time. And, and he goes, no, no, tw 20 more minutes. We, we already been on road one hour. We invest one hour already in road. I say, we go, 20 more minutes. Spectacular view, game over. <laughs> so we go 45 more minutes, because people who smoke weed can't tell time. And so I've been told. <laughs> It's out there on Google. So we get up there. It was a great view. It was all, but it was such a lesson and a reminder to me, this dumb story, of how quickly when I got afraid, I wanted to go back to what I knew. I could not see this spectacular view that was waiting for me. All I knew is that it was really scary and it was taking a long time to get there. And so I defaulted. I looked at the definition of default. This is great. A pre-selected, pre-selected option that's adopted by a computer program or other mechanism, hello brain, the hard drive here, with no when, when no alternative is specified by the user or the programmer. So it's a pre-selected option that's adopted when there's no alternative specified. And I looked up synonyms Something that is usual or standard, typical, reflex, unwitting, established, 
unchanging, unthinking, automatic, involuntary, the opposite meaning of default, conscious, deliberate, varying. Why, when we've experienced revelation and freedom, do we find ourselves defaulting, automatically going back to a pre-selected option? Well, I want to begin with brain science. And bear in mind that the person talking is someone who failed high school chemistry. But Joe Dispenza is a chiropractor who studies brain function, and he wrote this book, what a title, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. So I'm going to summarize. It's a little long, and I don't want to. I don't want to go too long here. I can already tell I'm going long because I've been telling stories. Um, but he says basically, let me summarize. There is a neurochemical relationship between the brain and the body. As you think certain thoughts, the brain produces chemicals that cause you to feel exactly the way you're thinking. Once you feel angry, scared. Lonely, rejected, you begin to think the way you feel. It's a cycle. He calls it a continuous cycle that creates a feedback loop called a state of being. A state of being means that we've become familiar with a mental emotional state, a way of thinking and feeling, which has become an integral part of our self-identity. Years of thinking certain thoughts and then feeling the same way as what I think and then thinking equal to what I feel creates a memorized state of being. Our thoughts and feelings have merged and we define ourselves as this state of being. To change is to think greater than how we feel. He talks about the stress chemical and when it's turned on, whether in response to something real or something uh, perceived that's a threat, there's this powerful rush of chemicals. It's almost like a shot of espresso. And we actually get addicted to it. It's very addictive to us because it's, uh, like he said, drinking a triple espresso. We unconsciously become addicted to our problems and our unhealthy relationships because of the chemicals that are released. We unknowingly love the rush of energy that we get from our troubles. The stress response, this chemical reaction, can be turned on just by thinking. How many times have you sat and thought about being angry at somebody or being sad? I do, I'm really guilty of like really letting sadness come in and just take over and feeling it, not knowing that there is a chemical thing happening in the brain that's amplifying and feeding the sadness, the anger, and just thinking it, then all of a sudden you begin to feel it. And if you physically will feel it. Our thoughts can produce the same rush of stress chemicals as an actual situation, just thinking about it. As a consequence, catch this, we become addicted to our very thoughts. They begin to give us an unconscious adrenaline high, and we find it hard to think differently, so we remain chained to a familiar reality. He says that sometimes we can even keep negative stimuli around us to produce that stress response. We don't know that we're doing this, but it's happening chemically in the brain. 
Simply put, he says, most of us are addicted to the problems and conditions of our lives that produce stress. This explains patterns of behavior that we can say we dislike, yet they persist. This can help explain, why do I default? I heard Mark Sharota, a minister, say once, pay attention to the patterns. And he was talking about the Bible, patterns that we see in the Bible. He was also talking about our lives. Someone, imagine someone who grew up with chaos in their family life. They're going to perpetuate chaos unknowingly while all the time saying how much they hate chaos and drama. But it's actually doing something in the brain. There is a chemical and, and physical component. I wanted to start with this before we move on into the other stuff about defaults. I wanted you to know that there is something going on in the body. Here's an example. I, uh, I know a friend, I, I know someone who is, is very negative. That's the way I would describe her. And so I took it upon myself to always try to cheer her up for years. I would always try to cheer her up. F examples, look at all the people who came to your party. You're so loved. Uh, my sister wasn't here. <laughs> I love your new chair. I'm glad because my mom says it doesn't go with my other stuff. Wow, you've got a new job. We've been praying for an upgrade. Yeah, but the commute is going to be 20 minutes longer. Well, your brother bought you a new car. Yeah, now I'm going to have to put so many more miles on it. <laughs> Finally, I told somebody, I think she likes being negative. And the person who knew about this brain science stuff said, she does, her brain's addicted to it. Interesting. The default in that case is negativity. See the worst, expect the worst, don't get your hopes up. Pay attention to the patterns. In my own case, you know, I've shared before that I dealt with a lot of feelings of rejection and the thoughts and the emotions that became my default. And I remember a friend saying to me years ago, you expect to be rejected. And I was kind of offended by that because I was too deep into it to see it. It was like what people were doing to me, not seeing that I was kind of uh, caught up in this circus and cycle in my head of thoughts and emotions and behavior. Every time I would walk into a room full of people, that whole thing would start. I can tell now, because it doesn't happen anymore, because I'm like so, <laughs> so at rest. Pay attention to the patterns. Um, all right, let me, let me scoot on down. Romans 6.16, and this is in the Amplified. I'm not sure how it translates in others, but this was a real eye-opener for me. This is when a lot of things began to change for me because I recognized patterns. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Hmm. Do you not know that if you continually pattern, Surrender yourself to anyone to do his will. You are the slaves of him who you obey. Wow. If I obey fear, I'm its slave. If I continually surrender to rejection, I'm in bondage to it. I'm its slave. For the Israelites who were slaves, the Lord split a sea an ocean, a literal sea. For us, he's made a way out of soul bondage through Jesus. Freedom from whatever we have been enslaved to, whatever we've been obeying, lining up with, addicted to. I played that song 
Over and over again, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. At one point, I played it up to 10, 15 times a day because it's declaring that identity change. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. Creating a new default. We're going to talk about that. How to create the new default. That's what I want to share with you today. What I feel I've gotten from other people around me. What I've seen myself. What I feel like the Lord is showing me. Here's a key. Our part of the process of deliverance and freedom is to be intentional. We play a part in the freedom. The Israelites walked through the water on dry land. We have to walk out some things. 2 Peter 1.5 says, Add your diligence to the divine promises, exercising your faith. I don't, I don't like any scripture that has exercise in it. <laughs> I didn't even spell it right. <laughs> Add your diligence to the promises of God. Your diligence. I used to be really good about declaring the promises of God when I would pray and over my life, but there is a diligence and an exercise in that it creates a new default. What is that second Peter? Second Peter 1 5. Isaiah 51 23. 51 23. Your tormentors have said to you, lie down so that me, we may walk over you. And you have even made your back like the ground and like the street for those who walk over it. Your tormentors. Isaiah 52, 2 says, this is participation. Shake yourself from the dust. Sit up. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck. That scripture rocked my world. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, from your bondage, your slavery, your chains. That means I have it within my ability to do that. The chains are unlocked. I can loose it from myself. There's diligence and exercise. The problems and the feelings and the beliefs have been talking for years, and we've been thinking and experiencing and believing ideas about ourselves for a long time. You've heard me talk about this before. A mindset has been established. A habit of thought, corresponding behaviors, a default has been created. God didn't zap the Israelites into the promised land, and he doesn't zap us into it either. I believe he took Israel the long way around because he is interested in the steps, the process, and the same thing goes for us. God created process. In Genesis 8.22, he established process as his preferred way to operate, as opposed to instantaneous results. It says, as long as the earth exists, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Seed, growth, fruit, harvest, process. Exodus 23 gives us a great picture of this process of freedom. The soul being delivered, the soul being set free and delivered as we grow spiritually. This is when the Lord says to the Israelites, 
that he's not going to drive out their enemies like that. They're going to take the land a little at a time. He says, I'll drive them out before you little by little until you have increased and are strong enough to take possession of the land. Until you have a new default. Until slavery and Egypt are no longer your default. I believe our default is supposed to be, I'm a child of God. I'm unshakable. Whatever happens, my default, I'm unshakable. I was trying to find one of those inflatable things that, you know, when you punch it, it bounces back up. It goes down and it bounces back up. Come on, Carrie, come on up. Yeah, Carrie, could you come demonstrate that for us? But, but that, that to me is a wonderful picture of default because, you know, life throws stuff out and it kind of knocks us back a little bit. Where do we default to? John 11 tells us the story of Lazarus in John 11, and I think this is a great picture of process. I shared this with a group yesterday. Remember, Lazarus was dead. Jesus comes before the tomb where he's buried, and he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And out hobbled the man who had been dead his hands and feet tightly wrapped in burial clothes and with a burial cloth wrapped around his face. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and release him. There was a process of grave clothes coming off. And this tells me, isn't it interesting that you can be resurrected and you can still hobble? Oh. Oh, that's good. You can still hobble. Grave clothes have to be unwrapped. Resurrection was instant. Jesus called his name. And I believe when he called his name and when he calls our name, he calls out everything in us. Our true identity. Our authentic self. He's liberating that. He split the sea so I could walk right through it, so I could be who he made me to be. He's bringing that to life giving it permission, setting it free. And we have to be diligent not to default. The grave clothes that bound Lazarus and hobbled him and covered his head and his eyes identified him as a corpse. I love that it covered his head. To me, that is a picture of the thinking and the eyes, his ability to see, right? We have grave clothes of the soul. The signs of the old, dead nature. Things like, I'm not enough, I'm less than, I lack. Fear, anxiety, control, self-protection, perfectionism. And those can all have spiritual attachments. Uh, we won't dwell on that today, but, but people make agreements with evil spirits without even realizing it. The evil spirits can't possess a believer, but they can exert influence to the degree that we partner with it, right? The more I partner with rejection, the more influence rejection has with me, and I give it access. That's agreement, and Ashley teaches on this so brilliantly. Um, it's agreement to think, to feel, and then to conform. Something happened recently uh, where I felt dismissed and overlooked by someone that I admired and I found myself pretty quickly defaulting and on an old trail and the old cycle of thought and I went around and around on it for about a half a day 
And don't you know that the enemy was right there cheering me on? Yes, put those grave clothes back on. Feeling negative, pessimistic, rejected, and ultimately disconnected from God. Graham Cook says that when we feel disconnected from God, when we start relating to him, it's because we start relating to him out of our old nature. I begin going to God through my insecurity, fear, and rejection. And he suggests invite God, the Holy Spirit, into that to speak to that very thing. To remind the new man of the new identity. Get out of that default. Get into right standing with God. So that's what I did. I took about 30 minutes. I stretched out on my bed and I invited Holy Spirit in right into that feeling of rejection and lack and deficit. And I began to meditate on his truth for me. Some of my favorite scriptures about connection with him. Colossians 3 talks about uh, my life is hidden with God in Christ. John 15, he's the vine and I'm the branch. I'm vitally connected and nourished and fed and resting in my position in him. 2 Peter 1, I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I share the divine nature of Christ Jesus. I experience it. John 17, the oneness with the Godhead. It's our new starting point. I've talked about that before. Oneness isn't what I'm after. It's my updated status. It's becoming my default. Oneness. I'm not trying to someday get to a place where I feel loved and healed and wholehearted and belonging. I start there. New default. And sure enough, I began to shift. When I realized, <laughs> when I realized that I have fallen for it again, it makes me mad. Like, you know, if you click on something and it's a virus, and you're like, I can't believe I clicked on that and let all that in. That's the way I feel when I fall for an old pattern, when I begin to default to an old mindset, an old identity, an old belief, the old self, the old nature. So creating a new default. Let's talk about that just a little bit. Remember now, default means no alternative specified by the user or the programmer. We can program an alternative. Mm. Diligence, exercise, intentionality. We can shake ourselves from the dust. We can sit up. We can loose ourselves from the bonds on our neck because they've been unlocked. One step that's been powerful for me is meditation. And I want to stress, we're not talking about Eastern meditation where you empty your mind. Christian meditation is meditating on the Word of God and actually filling your mind with that. It's taking time deliberately, on purpose, turning off our phones, and letting the Word of God speak louder than all the other static and noise in our life. Colossians 3.16, Colossians 3.16 says, let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you. Dwelling, dwelling, remaining, building in your heart and mind. 
permeating every aspect of your being. To me, that's meditation. Letting the Word of God have its home within me. Meditation is also putting off the old. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, put off your old self, discard the former nature. Here we go. Be continually, continually, continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new self, the regenerated, renewed nature created in God's image. It's a process. Continually, continually. I encourage you to spend time, if you've never done it before, we're going to do a little exercise at the end here, to take some scripture and give it some time to dwell. Open the door and let it come in. Um, another, I would say number two, of creating a new default. Who are you listening to? Debbie shared this with me. People who comfort you or people who confront you and call you higher. I was asking Debbie to write my paper for me and she said that she will often reach for a Band-Aid in the form of a friend who will comfort and soothe her. A Band-Aid when Jesus wants to do surgery. I love people with the gift of mercy. God has put several of those people in my life. I love people who will put their arm around me and let me rant and cry and vent and say I'm just tired of it all. Who will soothe me and love me and say they understand. I need that at times. We need that from each other at times. But it does not necessarily move me forward over a period of time. If that's all I'm getting, if I'm looking for the next person who will listen to my sad story, doesn't necessarily move us forward. Doesn't necessarily make us bounce back up. Doesn't create a new default. But it's needed and it's helpful. And that's why we have community, is to have compassion. Bill Johnson talks about unsanctified mercy unsanctified. It's mercy that is not from God. Just commiserating, rehashing, agreeing, all of that, that will actually keep some people locked in a place of bondage. It will for me. Compassion is the way Jesus moved. He was moved by compassion. I am compassionate. I'll just say this about myself. I have this kind of strong you know, personality, sort of direct and kind of abrupt. I am compassionate about pain. I am intolerant of bondage. Amen. And I am not your girl to come to over and over and over again without your diligence and your exercise. I will pray for you. I will weep with you. But I will also say, <clears throat> sit up, brush the dust off of you, and remove the chain from around your neck. I will say that, and some people don't want to hear that. We need to hear that. I've needed to hear that. I've had people who love me confront me. I think you expect to be rejected. Someone else told me once, 
because of my self-protection and trying to be a badass all the time to keep myself safe in the world and being tough, a friend said, you know, it's like you've got, it's like you've got a sword out to fight dragons all the time and there aren't any dragons. <laughs> wow. I didn't love that person at that moment when he said that. Here's another thing I believe is important. Call it number three for a new default. This is powerful. It's moving in the opposite spirit. What do I mean? My friend, Malibu Barbie, told me once about, and I saw it happen actually, and she shared with me what was going on internally. Um, she was at a, a gathering and someone shamed her. She felt, my, my girlfriend, perceived shame, perceived criticism. And she's very sensitive to it, right? It's something she is overcoming and, and being diligent about and not her default. Shame is not her default anymore. But she was defaulting to shame. She was default, she was feeling the criticism and the correction in front of people. And it was, it was just kind of one of those snotty little things that happen in circles of women, right? She started to leave. Uh, it was actually, it was a Bible study. And she started to leave and say, I'm never going back there again. But the Lord arrested the thought. She went over to the person who had offended her, and she began to like give her a massage and hug her and love on her. And that shame couldn't remain because it was, she was not partnering with the spirit of shame. She was moving in the opposite spirit. And I, I circled a scripture here, Psalm 59. Uh, 14 through 17. Oh yeah, I just, I love the language of this. David is talking about his enemies. And whenever in the Bible I read somebody talking about a physical enemy, one of the ites, you know, the Hittites or the Jebusites or the ites, um, I, I, I know that I can talk about that in the same way as the enemies of my soul. David says, here they come again, prowling, growling like a pack of stray dogs in the city, drifting, devouring, coming in for the kill. They refuse to sleep until they've eaten their fill. That's, that's to me, that's rejection, that's fear, that's anxiety, whatever it is. Here they come again. Here come the thoughts. Here come the feelings. And what does David say? He moves in the opposite spirit. As for me, your strength shall be my song of joy. At each and every sunrise, my lyrics of your love will fill the air. You have been my glory fortress, a stronghold in my day of distress. Oh, my strength, I sing with joy your praises. Oh, my stronghold, I sing with joy your song. I sing with joy the lyrics of your faithful love for me. Enemy doesn't have a chance. Moving in the opposite spirit, it takes practice. It takes attention. It takes deliberation, diligence, exercise. Moving in the opposite spirit. I can't tell you how many times I catch myself starting to react a certain way, and then I'm like, oh, I, 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 I'm offended by that person, I'll move towards them. I'm scared to do that, I'll move towards it. Moving in the opposite spirit, because we have all the fruit of the spirit available to us. 
The Spirit of the living God has everything that we need. It's accessible to us. And we can opt. And the more we opt, the more we choose, we're programming a new default. Does that make sense? Yes. Another, uh, the last thing I'll say about creating a new mindset, a new default. Journaling, memorial stones, whatever we want to call it. It's recording, acknowledging in some way what the Lord has done for me. We've talked before in here about, you know, in Israel there are memorial stones where this is what happened there. This is what God did in this place. And it doesn't have to be a journal. Maybe you don't like to journal. I'm not that crazy about journaling. Maybe you want to paint what the Lord has done for you. Maybe you want to sew or, or garden and plant. Maybe you want to scrapbook. Maybe you want to construct and build something. Whatever it is, I encourage you to record your history with God. Because he suggests that we do that. Because it helps create a new default to record our history with God and pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. I'm almost out of time, so I want to... Are we ready for activation? Activation! activation. Okay. I want, you to, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I'm just going to ask the Lord a question, and then I'm going to give you some scripture. But first, let's just enter into the presence of God. And I bless your spirit right now to be fully awake and engaged and alert. Your spirit me. And ask this question, am I a child of God? And feel that yes center you in your spirit man. The Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, confirms you are a child of God. And then let's ask Jesus, what has been my default? Jesus, what has been my memorized, automatic state of being? And Jesus, what do you offer me instead? I don't want to rush you through this, but I want to honor our time, and, and uh, I encourage you to continue that conversation and process with the Lord about what has my default been unconsciously, and what is it that you offer me that I, your promise, that I can apply my diligence to. I want to give you some scriptures to practice meditating on. If making the Word of God at home to dwell in us is part of creating a default. I, I was drawn to Exodus 33, 13 through 19. 
Exodus 33, 13 through 19. And this is when Moses is talking to the Lord, and he says, if your spirit doesn't go with us, I don't want to move. I don't want to go from this place. And that's when Moses also says to the Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord says, I'll have all my goodness pass by you. Isn't that interesting? When he asked to see his glory, the Lord responded with goodness. So I want to give you some time here, just a few minutes, and when you need to leave, please leave. But look at that scripture. Read that passage. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, the living God, who breathed into these words and is now breathing them into your spirit to highlight, as you meditate on it, to highlight some words, some aspects to you. What catches your eye? What jumps out at you? I'm asking the Lord, the spirit of truth who guides us into all truth to bring revelation and meaning so that this word comes alive in you. Something about this passage speaks to you and begins to make its home and dwell in you. Put a little instrumental. Let's just take five minutes.